Well, good morning. You can all wave or do something, I don't know, positive or whatever it is. I can all see you. It's lovely to see you at home. Give you a warm welcome to Holy Trinity. And uh, we're a Pentecostal church. We're alive. We are alive. And they're not saying that any other churches are not, but we want to be alive because every day is a new opportunity to live, but not just live, but live for Him. Uh, and that's what we want to do. And we have uh, taken on a theme over these next few weeks of new. And um, I, I suppose I was thinking about it this morning, you know, that not, not everything new is good. I mean, I noticed a few kind of new gray hairs, you know, you know there's, there's new aches and pains. There's a few new this, that, the other. Uh, and, you know, so from God's perspective, though, we, we recognize that when God does something new, it's pretty sparklingly good. You know, when, when he does something new, it, you know, when we look at the scriptures, we see that God is, uh, you know, he doesn't ha- hold back on what he's doing. When it's new, it is, it is it's fantastic. And I want, to, I want to really earth what I want to say uh, by, by reading from uh, actually the, the Message Bible. Uh, I'm going to go straight to the Message Bible uh, from Lamentations. Here's a great book to encourage us all, the book of Lamentations. You know, we'll come on to that in just a moment. But Lamentations chapter 3, verses 24, uh, 22 to 24. It may well be familiar when you get to the the little part that I want to get to, but uh, when we talk about something new. And this is what it actually says in the Message Bible of uh, Lamentations. It says, God's loyal love couldn't have run out. His merciful love couldn't have dried up. They're created new every morning. How great your faithfulness, exclamation mark, like that. I'm sticking with God. I'll say it over and over. He's all I've got left. I like what the Message Bible says concerning the fact that new every morning. And if we go back into the original and find out what that word actually means, that, 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 that word new, and the Hebrew language means freshness. It means freshness. It means brand new. It means just prepared. It means kind of it's just come off the production line if you would uh, want it that way. You could describe it as now newness. So if I said it again, now newness, it just never stops. It's new Every moment of every day, you know, every day God's got something sparkly, fantastically new for His people. And, and it's, it's a wonderful thing. A long time ago, it's a very long time ago now, when I worked at a hotel in Scotland called Glen Eagles, my wife always says, would you qualify that? You know, I was there for about three months as a trainee, so I've qualified it. So I won't want to say that I was an eminent chef, but I was there and I worked at Glen Eagles uh, and every day at four o'clock in the morning, Uh, a fish lorry would arrive. I wasn't there all the time, but every now and again, I got to be on duty at four o'clock in the the morning for the fish lorry as it kind of chugged in from the coast. Uh, And always the fish chef was there, um, always looking for the freshest and the most premium catch that was going to be served to the guest that day. Yesterday's catch, not acceptable. Yesterday's catch would be given to someone else. That was a hotel that did not work on yesterday's catch. It might be good for everybody else, but actually today's catch had to be eaten today by the guests. Freshness was the key. You weren't allowed to take anything that was meant for yesterday into today. And I like that concept. It's around that kind of understanding of the word new. It's fresh, it's vibrant, it's alive, it's at its peak, at its best. Some of you are at your peak, aren't you? 
That's right. Some of you looking, there's a few people, I say if you're at home now, who are telling lies in church, I can assure you. Okay, but we, you know, we, we feel at our peak, or maybe we don't, but the, you know, the, the, this, the Bible says that there's something at its premium, at its peak, that is created new every morning for you and I. It's off God's, it's not even a production line, but it's off, it's from heaven, it's from God Himself. He says, today, got something new for you. God, it's, 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 it's absolutely brand new, it's, it's never been used before, and I'm going to give it to you today. And that's, that's, a, that's a fantastic place to be. And the Bible actually says that it's, it's mercy. It's mercy. And you are your mercy. Now, growing up, I must have been for the first kind of few years as a Christian, I never knew the difference between grace and mercy. What, 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 what's the difference? When someone said to me, well, mercy, I always think, well, isn't it the same as grace? And I used to kind of think to myself, what's the difference between the two? And I... I I landed on these two simple kind of illustrations, really, but grace is a gift given to you and I that we don't deserve. I think that's simple, isn't it? Grace is a gift that is given to you and I that we don't deserve. I'll never forget the moment. It was here in this church a year and a half ago when the Domino's Pizza Man arrived. I don't know if you many of you came for that service. Some of you, if you weren't, I'll explain very briefly. The Domino's Pizza Man came because Neil had called him and said, we want a pizza. So he came and did what he always did. It was just an ordinary day. And he arrived at our church and he said, I want you to deliver it when he came into the, into the main hall. I want you to deliver it to the man at the front. I could see by that time he was looking a bit nervous because the place was full. And he came to the front. It was a, it was a Hawaiian just to qualify with everyone. It was a Hawaiian pizza. I like them. And he came to the front and he delivered his pizza. And there, there at the front, I wasn't going to give him a tip because I didn't want him to think that it was part of his work. I was going to give him something that he didn't deserve. Now, the week before that, we'd taken an offering and most of you as a church didn't know what the offering was other than that I said to you, just let me do what I need to do with it if you give me liberty to do that. Do you know how much was in the offering? It was 450 pounds. You know, well done, well done, that was you. It wasn't me, it's not my generosity, it's yours. I gave a pound, just to let you know. So I didn't, I think I gave a bit more, but now I'm, I'm, I'm digging a hole, so let's not go there. And so he came to the front, and I had it in a big wad. Not 20 pound notes, but I had it in tens, because it was a lot more effective. Big wad, and, 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 I, and I explained to this guy, he says, Christmas, just want to explain what Christmas is. Christmas is all about grace, it's a gift that we don't deserve. And I remember putting it into his hand, 450 pounds and he looked at me and you weren't there I was really close to him he was and, and his face was contorted with all kinds of is it true is it not I don't know can I take it is he be, is he is he is he what's happening here and all of these kind of, and then I said to him no strings attached a few people came to me after and said do you think he'll ever come back I said not the point it doesn't matter if he comes back I didn't give it to him to come back it wasn't a strings attached gift it was something totally undeserved that's grace he didn't deserve it did he share it with anyone don't know did he give it to did he did he let anybody else kind of you know uh, uh, benefit from what was given to him don't know wasn't my question I just wanted him to know it's a gift that's what grace is it's a gift given to us mercy however is not getting the punishment we deserve grace is getting a gift that we don't deserve mercy is not getting the punishment that we deserve. When I moved to Gloucester uh, to be a pastor, we, we were given, uh, it's a rarity now, a manse, a church vicarage. Look at that. 
It was really nice. We, we, but we had a house in Birmingham, so we, what did we do with it? So we rented it out. We rented the house out thinking, we'll become tenants and we'll make loads of money. Well, it was the worst thing we ever did. It was a disaster. We, we'd only been you know, landlords for a few weeks, months, uh, and, and we got a telephone call from the police. Uh, something had happened at the property. The tenant had gone on a rampage. Not what you want to hear over the telephone, really, is it? Someone's gone on a rampage through the house, and this gentleman who was living in the house had systematically kicked off all the downstairs doors. He'd done damage around the house. But whatever, what had prompted the police to actually contact us urgently was the, was the, the necessity of a three-piece suite that was hanging out of my bay window. So the whole bay window was in the road, and it was all smashed to pieces, and there was a three-piece suite hanging out there. And he says, you've got to do something about this. Well, we were in Gloucester. My house is in Birmingham. So there we go, we went up. There it was. There, police around, and this, that, the other. The man, I think, was down at the police station at that time. They'd arrested, it, they arrested the man, and uh, a lot of damage had been done throughout the house, but we weren't allowed in the house, because we were, obviously, uh, we weren't, living there. It was just our house and law says we can't go in. So the police arrested the man and we went to the station and rather indignantly after a conversation we were saying to the policeman, um, after we understood the man's circumstances, that was important. When we understood his circumstances, the policeman was all ready for us to press charges. Now I want to say the law was on our side. Justice was on our side. We We'd, we'd been affected by what somebody else had done to us. We had all the rights. We had all the power. The law was 100% with us. And the man was 100% guilty. He'd even owned up. <laughs> I did it, Gov. It was me. You know, it, there, was no, there was nowhere else to go. So we were there. And the policeman was saying, right, we wanted to press charges. And I said, no. Well, I say me, Helen and I said, no. We, we're not going to press charges. The policeman was not indignant, but it was kind of like, oh, well, I think you're an idiot, you know, but, you know, because, you know, look at what he's done to your property. We didn't press charge. We didn't demand justice. But we actually paid the price of having to put everything back together. Why? Because the man left the police station that day totally free. No criminal record. No conviction. That's mercy. He deserved it. But he didn't get it. Now, I'd like to say that sounds, makes me sound so holy, doesn't it? That makes me sound so good. But I tell you, under my breath, I was going. <laughs> I always find that sermon illustrations are great, but you have to go through a lot of pain. And it's always very expensive to use them because you know the things that you preach about, often you have to actually go through in order to, for them to become a sermon illustration. And you go through many things in life that kind of cost you lots of money. He was getting away with it. But that's what mercy is. New are your mercies every single day, says Jeremiah, the writer of Lamentations. New. It's brand new sparkling. It's there for us every day. God not treating us as we deserve every day. Every day. God giving to us grace what we don't deserve. He gives us gifts every day. We don't deserve them. 
When was the last time I opened that door to receive? So how should we respond to such grace and mercy that's new to us every day? There's three simple things I only want to just pull together and just leave with you. And the first thing I want to say is when it comes to grace and mercy, recognize. Recognize. To be able to respond to grace and mercy, we must first recognize our need for grace and mercy. We have to recognize our need. We've got to accept that we are sinners. We are far away from God. We are imperfect. We all know that, don't we? We don't want to drive that through. We all know that we are not what we should be. And it's all down to Him. It's all because of His grace and mercy. I know it to be true that grace can move mountains of guilt and shame. I've seen it happen when people say, Lord, take from me that which I despise myself for. You take it from me and they live free from it. I've also seen a lot of people who still carry that. They carry guilt and condemnation. But grace can move mountains and and it can move guilt and it can move shame. Grace is the unmerited favor of God. You don't deserve anything. We don't deserve anything. It's the unmerited favor of God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. You've just got to receive it, haven't you? That's what it is. Grace has no limit. It really has no limit. Grace will give you a new beginning every day, every moment. God's grace is greater than your sin, greater than your faults and your failings. New are your mercies every day. I drove down to church this morning because I forgot to turn the eater on last night and I didn't want you sheep to be cold in the sheep pen this morning. Wasn't that kind of me? You know, and so I came down and the, and the sun was sparkly. It was just coming over as I drove down this morning. And I came down the toll road uh, and, and, and the sun was breaking through and it was spectacular. It was just where I stopped the car and looked out the window and thought, it's a new day. But I didn't think it was a new day because the sun was shining. I was thinking about what I was bringing today thinking, it's a new day, Steve. You go free again. It's amazing, it's a gift, it's sparkly, it's brand new. Your grace is not just enough, it's not just sufficient, it's overwhelming because He gifts to me what I don't deserve. And the punishment that I do deserve, He withhelds His hands and He says, you go free again today, Steve. And I marveled at it. God's grace is not for those who have it together. How many of you got it together? Or some of you might have. I don't know. It's not for those who have got it all together. It really, really isn't. This shepherd left the 99 to go to the one who'd not got it together. Is that you? How, do you know, that same illustration, none of us belong to the 99, do we? We always associate ourselves with the one. Who are these 99? Because we always realize Jesus is trying to drive a point home. He's saying... Yeah, not many of you are, but you all relate to what I'm trying to say, which is we like sheep have gone astray. We've done our own things. We've done some daft things. Some of you have done some really daft things, haven't you? You've said some stuff. You can't take it back. But he, he leaves the 99. What's he doing? Grace comes looking. That's what Jesus is doing. He says, right, I'm leaving. Grace is coming looking for you. The one 
The one sheep that doesn't deserve it because he's gone his own way is the one sheep that's going to get a good dollop of grace and mercy. Doesn't deserve it. Doesn't deserve the time and the attention. Doesn't deserve what what the the shepherd's going to give to him. But he's going anyway because that's what love does. And grace comes looking for you this morning. You say, no, I'm already a Christian. You know, no, I've met lots of Christians who are still in the deepest recesses of guilt and condemnation. Even when grace and mercy, the ability for God to not treat you in the way that you deserve, we still treat ourselves in the way that we think we deserve. And we nullify the Word of God and the work of God by still saying, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, I'll never be anything, I'm a worm. And that's not God's way. Because He says, I came looking for you. And grace is looking for you this morning. You can be involved in the worst things possible. But grace is looking for you this morning, right now. You can be cheating people as I speak, wherever you listen. You can be hurting people. You can be lying to your family and deceiving the workplace. You can be doing the most detestable things this morning, right now. But God leaves the 99 and He says, I'm looking for you. I've got something for you. And most of us think it's guilt and condemnation, but He says, no, I've got grace. I've got mercy. Whisper Amen. That's what he's got. New are your mercies this morning. You can be discouraged. You can be depressed. You're about to give up on life. But good news is, grace is looking for you. Grace is looking for you right now. You may have made mistakes in life. You may not be where you want to be in life. You can continue on the sidelines and let the accusing voices tell you that you're all washed up and you've got no future. Right now, grace is looking for you to say it's not true. It's not true. It's not the way. It's not what I've come to give. God is saying, I'm not mad at you. Let me say that again. God is saying, I'm not mad at you, but I'm madly in love with you. Because that's what grace is. Grace is the extension of the love of God. The one person in the universe who could treat you the way that we should be treated decides no. That's good news. That's great news. Made me stop my car. And although the sunset, sunrise is good enough, this is even, even more. God's grace is relentless. His grace never gives up. You can turn away again and again and again and again, but God's grace just keeps coming because He leaves the 99. So we need to recognize that we need grace and we need, we need mercy. But we also need to, secondly, very quickly, accept we, we might recognize that there is grace and mercy, but now we've got to accept it. We've got to receive it into our hearts and into our lives. Wholehearted acceptance is the best way of allowing grace and mercy to have its full benefit in our lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You can't outrun the grace of God. You can't outrun it. Because tomorrow he says... Well, I'll be here tomorrow, okay? If you still want to carry what you're carrying, I'll be here tomorrow. I'll be here next week because I've still got mercy and grace to give you. But if you want to carry that, you carry it. But I'm, I'm telling you now, I'm, I'm not going away. You cannot do too much wrong to keep it away. Grace is always coming. Receive His grace. We accept His grace. The Bible says that God came to seek and to save that which was lost, broken, and 
at the end of the tether. That's what God comes for. He comes for us wherever we find ourselves. To seek means to go after. I like that. Seek. Yeah. I've seen more Christians who search more for a £10 note than they do for spiritual things. Dear God, well, I had a tenner. I had a tenner. Where's it gone? Where's it gone? But there's a sense of here seeking. God seeks us. God seeks us until He finds us. And we're called to seek Him and to seek that, accept that grace. We're, you know, the Bible says that He goes after us. He pursues us with the grace of God. We can't shortchange God. God wants all the stuff in our life that we carry that nobody else knows about. That's what grace and mercy is. He wants to exchange it with grace and mercy. He says, I'm not going to treat you as you deserve. So we need to accept, but we also lastly need to grow. I like this growing in grace and mercy. For the last couple of weeks, so, you know, there's been a fella sleeping outside just these doors. Just, just outside these doors. I won't say his name because he's been into church. It's great. You know, I came down, didn't even know he's there. But would you, would you not be really pleased with the fact that he'd, he'd been treated like a king? He'd been looked after. He'd been cared for. Someone had bought him a tent. Someone had done this. Someone had done that. He's got more tea than he could have. He couldn't, he's never felt it like before. Because you know what? He says to himself, I'm not worthy of this. Look at me. I don't deserve this. Isn't that? People say to me, you're a soft touch, Steve. Lord, keep me soft then keep me soft if that's what being soft is then let me be soft because the same amount of grace that was poured into my life is the same amount of grace that now I need to give that's how we grow in grace and mercy because of what we've received we give away don't we acts of random kindness whatever it might be we give to people what they don't deserve there's nothing quite like giving to people what they don't deserve the joy that you get by doing it it's almost selfish that you're giving things away because you benefit because you're doing it not to get anything in return but the joy you're getting saying oh did you see their face it's almost like a selfish thing it's not but the joy i remember i i, I remember my mum um i love her Hope she's not watching. <laughs> I remember my mum, uh, well, in one of the former churches that I was in, you know, the treasure wasn't, you know, a long story, but I ended up having to take, we didn't have a safe at the church, and I had to take the offering home. I couldn't believe it. You don't do that as a minister. To Elima watching, I never did it. It's just a sermon illustration. Okay, it's a long time ago as well. And I, I, I remember my mum is there, she what's that? I says, it's the offering. And she said, there's notes in that. So what do you mean there's notes? She says, there's notes. She says, well, what, what, what do you think? And then suddenly realized, there's hundreds of pounds. She says, is that, is that the offering for us? for one service. One service. Why do, why do people give like that? I'd never seen it before in my head. You know, my mum had gone to church all her life and dropping in a couple of coins. There you go. I have some of that, aren't I? There you go. I said, Mum, this is what people do when they're grateful. They give. And the joy, I hope you give joyfully. I mean, that's the whole point, isn't it? If you don't give joyfully. Ah. But there's a sense of that's how we grow. Grace and mercy is what then if we've received, we give away. Acts of random kindness. But Steve, 
I know people who don't deserve my time. They don't deserve my attention and they don't deserve grace and mercy. It's their own fault that they're in the situation that they're in. They brought the trouble that they're in on themselves. Serves them right for what they've done and all the stupid things that they've done in their lives. And they've hurt people doing it. But isn't that what mercy is all about? Isn't that what it's all about? God giving to us and withholding from us what we do deserve, but giving to us what we don't deserve. It's a free gift. And new are your mercies this morning. And the amazing thing and the stunning news today is that the price for this mercy and this grace, because where does it come from? Well, it's already been paid for. It's already been paid for. 2,000 years ago when one man gave to you and I what we simply don't deserve. We just don't deserve it. Why? Because I know me. And you know you. And you know in the darkest recesses of your heart and your minds those awful things that you felt and seen done to people around you. You know it to be true. I don't need to convince you. But I'm not here to downtread you. I'm not here to try and make you feel bad. I'm here to point you to grace and mercy to say, that's what we receive today. He knows all of that also. And he still says, you can go free. I'll take the penalty. That's the price of grace and mercy. There's a Greek word for the word worship. It's called proskuno. It actually means to lay down prostrate before God. Not sure when the last time I did that. It means God's, God's mercy and, and His, His grace bends our knees to realize Worship is when we come before God with such thanksgiving of who He is and what He's done. God is good. I remember very, very vividly, very vividly going to a, a, a village in Nepal where we were working and there was water. There was water in the village, but it was 200 feet underneath the village. And for years and years, you know, the women had gone two miles to go to the local stream to bring it all back. They had their little buckets on their head and carrying, and the little boys and girls. Obviously, in these villages, men didn't do anything. That's what I always used to think. Why don't the blokes do that? But it's just not what they do. So the women were all there carrying all. And, and for, we went there and, we, and we, we detected with some equipment that we had that there was water underneath the village. So we were working with the local elders to say, look, we're going to need to get to this water. So we brought in a special drill. cost $20,000 from Samaritan's Purse. Most of us think Samaritan purse, we just do Christmas boxes. Samaritan's purse have poured nearly half a million dollars into the work that we do in Nepal to, in order that we might do these kind of works in the villages. And we brought this drill in and the, 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 there was... The, the, all the surrounding land was arid. It was, was, there's no water. It was just desperate. It was, you know, crops were in the field and you know, there was bone dry. And it had been like that forever. And I, I remember we found it. We found this like kind of lump on, on the sonar as we bounced it down. And there was a water table, but we kept missing it. We were there for days, weeks, trying drilling down, up and down. People were just carrying their buckets. 
until one day, I can tell you now, it's one of the most amazing days that I've ever seen. You know, we were drilling and suddenly, I don't know if you've ever seen oil, when you kind of get oil and suddenly you break into the, and, and suddenly this oil spouts up and there's oil kind of going 30 feet into the air. You ever been there? You ever seen that? I've never seen that, but I tell you what, suddenly in the middle of this Hindu village, there's this country, and then suddenly water is gushing, and people, the local shaman priest, is dancing with his, with his drum, and all the people are dancing around, never realizing that the source of everything that they needed was right there. It was right beneath them. It just needed to be tapped. And there were people dancing everywhere. And you know, after a while, when they'd seen mud in the village other than the monsoon when do you see mud they were seeing mud and people were wallowing in the mud people were dancing in the mud it was such an amazing moment and so we have this scene and at that moment two of our workers who worked for united vision nepal were there and one was an engineer good christian guys godly guys and the village leaders came and to a man knelt down and began to worship our workers. They were worshipping our workers. For 20, 30 years, there's never been any water. Dead generations, never any water. And now, they'd made water come. Here was a moment. What were they going to do? Why do you think we call our projects living water projects? Because they point to the one who is the living water. And there, these men, who had weeks before said, we're not going to become Christians. We don't want to become Christians. We're not, we, you, you can't, you know, if, we do, if you do development here, are you doing it so that we become... I said, no, we're not doing it. Because that's what grace is. Grace is giving without expecting anything in return. It's given to them. Well, within a few short weeks, whole village, whole village is attending church. And the men pointed, this is not us, this is, this is Jesus, it's the grace of God, it's the love of God, it's living water. How many, how many Christians have I found that they are right next to the source of grace and mercy every day, but still wallow in guilt, still wallow in the past, still wallow, not realizing that right before them that there is a well and a wellspring of life that is bubbling over that God says, today, today's a good day. No longer need to walk in guilt and condemnation, but I'll wait till tomorrow then. Because tomorrow is another new day. Then I'll wait again. And we, we know the truth. We have a knowledge of the truth. But it does not liberate. Grace and mercy is not something we, ex something we experience once in our life when we become followers of Christ. It's something the Bible says, new are your mercies every day. Stunning. At its peak. At its freshness. No, you know, yesterday's kind of stuff here. It's new brand new today and if we're not Christians this morning also it is gloriously applicable to you as well because God's got something that you don't deserve it's called eternal life it's called a relationship with God it's called being renewed with heart mind and purpose it's an opportunity to live again the Bible calls it born again you can say amen just encourage me and smile even though I can't see it it's a great day the village, let me tell you, when you go back, is green. It doesn't say, yes, we believe there's water. Yes, we know it's under there. It needs to be unleashed so that the benefits can be seen and evidenced 
grace, mercy, joy. These are what come with how much more along with Christ will He graciously give us all things. And yet we are often like the women who would go with their buckets and say, that's it. And God says, no. I've got a whole well for you. I've got a whole table of water for you. I've got more than you can. I've got, I want to shower you. But so often we are happy with a little bit. And we live as paupers when God calls us to live as people of grace and mercy. The benefactors of something that is not from ourselves. It's not self-done. It's not through my own efforts. It's because of the grace and the mercy of God. Lastly, on a tombstone in a churchyard in Buckinghamshire is the inscription of a, a man called J. Newton. And on his tomb it writes these words, J. Newton, once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slave traders in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Man in the slave trade spoke against the Christian faith, now a vicar. Don't you just love it? You may not have heard of the man Jane Newton, but you'll know his song. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love me. Sinner. Filthy. Dirty. Knowing who I am inside. Unclean. How marvelous. How wonderful. And my song will ever be just like on that toll road this morning as I look to him and say it's a new day grace has been given he gives to me more than I could imagine a treasure trove that I could not even begin to even understand the depth of the treasure that's in it and then mercy you withhold your hand of judgment so that I can go free how can that be but that's grace and that's mercy and if we have received it we then in turn are the ones who not only accept it but we grow by what we've received we give away john wesley said if i die and i have more than 10 pounds in my wallet you can call me a thief what kind what does he mean he means, in comparison to what we have in this world, give everything away. I'm not asking anybody to give everything away. But we live in that understanding that Jesus gave everything away. He had nowhere to lay his head. He left heaven to pursue me, to seek me. And he says, today, Steve, and anybody listening, I give you what you don't deserve. It's new. It's a good day. It's grace. It's mercy.
Oh. Now all we have to do is each one of us just needs to stop on the way home. Maybe get out of the car and just go, it's a great day. Or you could do that now. And wherever we are, even at this moment, sat at home, we go, can you smell? It's not coffee. It's not the fresh bread. It's grace. And we receive it. And suddenly, the benefits are the greenness of the water that flows is the gifts of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. Because they grow when we accept and we receive. So this morning, we're going to sing a song in just a second just to, to focus our minds, just to give us an opportunity to receive and to breathe in and to receive by faith grace and mercy. Because here's the truth. His well never runs dry. I just want you to picture yourself drilling down 200 feet, but you don't have to drill because there's no self-effort. All you need to do is just open your heart. And he says, I'll pour in. Let's just worship, ponder, and take some time just to say, whoa, today's a good day. It's a great day. Two weeks after Easter, and the disciples are still marveling. He's alive. It's true. He has been merciful and gracious, and now he sends us with the same message. Let's just worship the Lord just for a few moments, and then we'll pray.